it doesn't take a global pandemic for people to work from home. But the coronavirus sure has increased the circle to include so many more of us. Whether you're juggling little kids while trying to get that paper written, isolated and lacking the inspiration you usually get from daily encounters, or just happy you're finally not stuck in traffic, Welcome to Even Remotely Effective, a podcast bringing you practical tips from people like you for overcoming the challenges of working from home so you can become even remotely more effective in your pursuits. I'm Daphne Gold-Melchior, wishing us all to soon be able to resume choosing how much remote and how much in-person work we'd prefer. And meanwhile, let's master remoteliness. Got 10 hours of video calls ahead? Don't sweat it. Be sure to blow dry your hair, dress professionally, at least from the waist up, and try to space out the next batch of calls much more. Take it from my dear friend Laura Gilinski, VP of Philanthropic Partnerships at Startup Nation Central, who manages people, projects, and strategies like nobody's business. Laura shares her pro tips for remote working, including appointing someone to summarize, prompt follow-up after video calls, and assessing how ripe your relationship is with a donor or investor before you even consider making an ask over the phone. Enjoy this upbeat conversation with Laura, who encourages us with her wisdom and optimism that we're gonna make it. And in the meantime, we can keep getting great work done if we're creative and willing to adapt. Good morning, Laura, how are you? Good, I feel like I'm talking to you from siege. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to be speaking to you, even though I wish that we were out on a run together, which is how I love meeting you. I thought that you would be a great person to interview because you're very much a people person. You meet people face to face all the time and you get together with them. There was this comment that you made at the beginning of this period of siege <laughs> when we were texting about what everybody was doing. And you said something like, well, I gotta go blow dry my hair because I've got 10 hours of video conferencing coming up. Tell us about that and about what you've learned from all of this intense remote FaceTime and remote video and audio time trying to get serious work done. First of all, I was supposed to be in New York yesterday. So what happened was that about three weeks ago, my assistant said to me, oh, should I cancel your ticket? So I was like, no, this is just gonna blow over. No, this is just gonna blow over and didn't blow over. And finally I said, okay, cancel my ticket. Luckily, cause I would have never gotten there. I would have never gotten back. And so I moved everything over to video and it's been very interesting and intense. So not only am I just filling in meetings that I was supposed to be having, but my whole organization is trying to figure out how we should be responding to this crisis as a leader in talking about what's going on in the Israeli tech ecosystem and what we have to be doing. So we're both brainstorming and working simultaneously. It's very interesting. It's interesting to see how easily people can adapt to this. But I believe in my line of work, there's still things that you can't do just by video. I mean, I would not at this moment say that I would ask someone to make a donation if this was like the second time I had spoken to them or something by video. When it's a much different situation when you're actually meeting someone face to face. But I also am not sure that in six months time, I might have a different opinion on that because it seems that everything is going to be moving very, very quickly. But if it's somebody that you did know from before and it's not a new donor, if it's somebody that you already have a long-term relationship with and they know you and they trust you and you've built something together, is that a different scenario than somebody that this is just the yeah. first or second time? Yes. I actually spoke to a donor yesterday, unbelievably gracious. Many of our donors have been unbelievably gracious and have reached out to us unsolicited and just said, 
don't worry about it. We're totally committed to continuing our support for you. And we understand if this puts some kind of crimp in your program, we'll be relaxed about getting reports, not on time, et cetera. So people have been amazing. And I did speak to someone last night who reaffirmed their commitment to us. I was supposed to be meeting him in New York to actually start working on how do we go about making a renewal. And he was very positive. He said, listen, the people in my organization are now very hard at work doing what they do and also on other things, but it's definitely something that they would address again in April or May. So I felt very good about that. And I feel like people see this as kind of something that we're all in together. And the people who are usually the grantors, nonprofit organizations will be there looking out for the people who are going to continue their work. I felt very positive up until now. That's so encouraging. I know it is. It was really a great feeling. What I think that people really want to hear right now from us as an organization, and I'm sure we're not unique in this, is yes, we're alive. We're adapting. Here's what we're doing. We've had some really interesting developments, one of them being that we have a program that we run for ultra-Orthodox women, and their rabbis actually agreed for them to be studying from home using an internet stick now. So this is really big news for us because it's very new in the ultra-Orthodox community. And it just goes to those people's commitment as well to continue their work and continue their education because we all know that this is going to be over soon, hopefully. God willing, that's great news. About those extreme days that you had this week, 10 hours straight of video conversations, what does that look like? And what are your tips to somebody who's also suddenly thrown into that situation, who's unaccustomed to working from home at all, let alone bumper to bumper online meetings? What should they be doing? What did you learn from that? What can they learn from you? Well, I think going back to the issue of communication, one thing is having a conversation, but I think that the important thing to remember after having a conversation is that there should be follow-up. Just like if you have a meeting and after the meeting you committed to sending someone X number of reports or information, it's really, really important to maintain that. I've appreciated that with the people that I've spoken to who I've asked, okay, send me over some material and it came over right away. It gives you a feeling that you're continuing work as usual and there's a flow. It's not they just heard from you and you disappeared. The other thing is now I've learned, especially from yesterday, you should space your meetings out. Having 10 or 12 hours of video conference straight is not fun. And it's very exhausting because you do have to be on and you have to be even more on maybe than when you're in a meeting because especially with a big group, not everyone can see you, not everyone can see your facial expressions, etc. The third thing I learned was the importance. We had an all hands on deck of our whole organization yesterday. And one of the things that I reached out to the chief of staff before the meeting, I said, please let me know how the meeting is going to be run. Do we have to send you questions ahead of time? Are we going to raise hands? Get someone to just explain how the meeting should be run in those big situations is very important because there are features on our Zoom or whatever, the different platforms that enable an offside chat or raising hands so that there's some order in what's going on. Another thing in those big meetings is to have someone summarizing because it's just a lot of stuff. You don't know where you're catching people during the meeting. And I think lastly, as I was telling you before, <laughs> people are having a lot of fun. Mine isn't working with putting those backgrounds in back of you, which I think is a great idea. Some people are in Hawaii. Some people look like they're in San Francisco. We're all really just in our houses. You're talking about artificial, artificial yes, backgrounds that people yes. can choose for their video yes. conference. So it looks like 
they're somewhere else. Exactly. There was one guy who was working with me who put the background of like a hugely messy room with bags of garbage. And I was Jeremy, I can't even watch you. I can't even talk to you looking <laughs> at that room. So paint your background. But I do think an amazing startup would be, apropos blowing dry hair, to actually be able to dress yourself up and do your hair and everything and have that. I mean, obviously you can do that because people have those face tune and stuff like that where they look beautiful on their selfies. So I thought we should actually be using that kind of technology. And then you could really just be in your pajamas with yucky hair all day. <laughs> but until some fabulous, preferably Israeli startup comes up with that idea. <laughs> you are investing time for these video conference calls in your appearance, right? What's the significance of appearance when you're not actually in the room with the people? I kind of think some of the people who work with me, they've seen me at my best. So if I'm not wearing makeup or something, they can live. But I did have a few video conferences with people who had not seen me before. And I'm not the most photogenic person. Nonsense. Um, Don't believe her. Nonsense. <laughs> no, I'm not. So I did put on makeup. But usually during these last few days, I've been enjoying the freedom of not really getting dressed up that much. Yesterday when I had those kind of calls, I put on a necklace. So I didn't have to do the bottom thing. I was someone who's doing the news, jeans on the bottom, fancy on the top. Flip-flops, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so I tried to make my face and neck look presentable. I do think it's important because there is something a little bit not professional about sitting there in your yucky pajamas. You should at least put on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really important tip. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks for all of these great tips and I hope that everybody gets to soon choose again how much in-person and how much remote work they want to do. What are you most waiting to get back to in terms of working in your regular mode of meeting people? I just think having coffee. Now it seems unusual that we're going to go and have a meeting in a cafe. Those are my favorite kind of meetings because I get to be working and having coffee at the same time. So I'm looking forward to resuming that and know that that's going to happen really, really soon. Totally. Amen. Thank you so much, Laura. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. I hope you found this even remotely helpful. If you're seeking consultation on effective messaging and presentations, remotely and hopefully soon in person again, reach out on LinkedIn. I'm Daphna Gold Melchior. That's Daphna, D-A-F-N-A, Gold, G-O-L-D, Melchior, M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R. Here's to the health and wellness of you and your loved ones.